joins Sue as she deals with the church at Laodicea. Blessings abound, my brother and sister. This is Superintendent Janice Battersby of Shekinah Worship International Ministries, Shekinah Worship Center, Bermuda, where our pastor is Reverend Dr. Maria A. Seaman. And it's a pleasure to greet you one more time. I welcome you back for another installation of our series, Insights with Soup. Superintendent, that's me. And I want to share with you from the series that we've been studying at Shekinah Worship Center. And it's called Escape the Coming Night with Dr. David Jeremiah. We've been studying chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the book of Revelation. This is actually our third year that we've been doing this. And what an exciting study it is. I'm pretty sure that many who are listening to this have never read the book of Revelation, the entire book, or understood it. And I get it, I was there too. But let me tell you something. After doing this study, the sheer excitement that has come from it that we can see and understand this book and even understand everything that's going on right now in this world today and link it together. It shows us that Jesus is coming back and the time is drawing nigh. We can understand when we see certain things going on in the world today. And it gives us a sense of peace, a peace that passes all understanding. So, What I'm going to do with you over the next little while is just give you an overview of one part of the study, the lesson that we've been doing, just to give you an idea about what it's about. So this time, we're going to discuss the church at Laodicea. Now, just to step back and give you an idea, we are in the book of Revelation and we're coming from Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. That's where we read about the church in Laodicea. Now, to give you an overview, the book of Revelation was written by Jesus' disciple John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, we read about. Now, after Jesus died, he was buried, he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. The disciples and the apostles went out. They took the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and they went to spread it throughout what we know now as the Middle East, Asia, Turkey, those areas. They started little churches as people embraced that Jesus Christ is Savior. But what happened was that after a while, error started to come back into the church. They started to do certain things that weren't correct. And so what we find, even in the Bible, in the books we call Ephesus and Philippians and Corinthians, Ephesians, all those, those are actually letters that the apostles wrote to these different churches, just correcting some things, encouraging them. Apostles were in prison when they wrote many of these letters, and they were just thanking the, the church members for encouraging them and, and sending them things. It was, it was really communication. We think of them as books. They were actually letters. But the apostles and the disciples were pretty much put to death for preaching the gospel. 
Now, John, in this instance, when he wrote the book of Revelation, he was imprisoned on an island called Patmos in the Aegean Sea, which was relatively close to Asia Minor. Now, he knew some of the people in the churches on the continent of Asia Minor. And John was given a vision by the Lord that he was told to write down. And that's where we get the book of Revelation. Now, in that book, in chapters two and three, those were actual letters that he had to write to seven churches in seven cities in Asia Minor. The churches were strategically placed there because they were close to the coast where people would come from Rome and from those areas, Greece, and they would land there on the coast and then they would go to the interior of Asia. And these cities were strategically placed so that the gospel could be taught and people as they were traveling through, they would hear the gospel and that's how it would spread. But there were things that weren't right in the majority of these churches and the Lord was sending the churches a message. Most of them had some good stuff going for them, but there was one or two things that they had to get sorted out or the Lord was going to remove their ministry because what he did not want is for the church to be hypocritical. Now, this particular church was the church at Laodicea that we're going to talk about. Now, in John's vision, John saw in chapter one of the book of Revelation, John saw Jesus in all his glory, in all the glorious attributes. He was no longer a baby in a manger. He was no longer a savior on a cross. He's a, a king. He is a king and soon coming judge of this earth. And John got to see that picture of Jesus in all his glory. As he wrote these letters to the churches, he would take one attribute of Jesus' glory and apply it to that particular church in order to deal with whatever issue they were having. This church of Laodicea was part of a triad of cities consisting of itself, Colossae, and Hierapolis. And I'm just checking my notes here so that I can get things correct. These cities were relatively close together. Laodicea itself was quite a wealthy city because they manufactured wool. And if you know the custom back then, that, that was part of the clothing, especially for the, uh, the poorer people. But it was very, very, a very, very popular cloth. So they were quite wealthy, this city. So when the Lord is addressing this church, he speaks, he addresses them that these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So God is establishing himself as first and last with this church. Sometimes when you have a lot of money, all of a sudden you, people kind of forget where they come from. And so the Lord was addressing this church. I am the beginning. I am the Alpha and Omega. You know, it's, this is who I am. I am the creator. And I have some things that I want to tell you about yourself. Now, Laodicea is a part of a triad of three cities. Hierapolis and Colossae were the other two. And what would happen is there was a water system that was created between these three cities. Hierapolis 
would supply hot water and Colossi would supply cold water to Laodicea. Hierapolis had hot springs. The thing is, is that the system itself ran on top of the ground, the water supply, so that by the time the hot water would get to Laodicea, it would lose some of that heat. And by the time the cold water would get to Laodicea from Colossae, it would lose some of that cold. Well, the Lord called Laodicea lukewarm. He called the church at Laodicea lukewarm. What was happening was, is that the lukewarm church, this church was losing its faith. A lukewarm Christian compromises their faith. They allow different things to come in and they're not quite as fervent in spirit and in prayer as they used to be. For Christians, if we remember when we first became Christians, we were full of life. We were zealous. We were excited. How's that level now? Check your level. Check your excitement level. Check your fervency level. Is it the same? Or have you gotten slack, bored? Is God using you as he could? Or have you decided you've done just about enough? These are things that we have to self-examine. A lukewarm Christian is afraid to offend people, afraid to offend the, the politicians, afraid to offend the rich people. Uh, this is where we have to be so very, very careful that we are following God and not mankind. This church was described as a conceited church. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 9, they were told that they thought that they were rich, but they were actually poor. Laodicea thought that she had wealth, but spiritually she was dead. In fact, they were described as wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They were a wealthy banking center. And when we think about Bermuda and what Bermuda was and tried, continues to try to be, an international center. We have banks, we have international business. We must be careful that we're not looking to money to be our savior. Because right now, as I speak, the entire globe is going through the, the throes of a pandemic. And businesses have shut down, some have closed for good. Businesses are struggling. The money isn't what it used to be. We've got to make sure that our focus is on God and not on mammon. Choose one or the other. The Laodicean church was described as a Christless church. We've got to be careful that when we become prosperous, we don't forget God. God tells us in Revelation 3.20 that he's standing at the door knocking. But the handle on that door is on the inside. It's for us to open the door to the Lord. He stands there and he knocks. And when we open, he will come in and dine with us, sup with us. We learned that the word for dine, the Greek word is deiknon. And it refers to the last meal of the day before the dawning of a new day. Now, we would like to think that there is revival that will happen in these last days. 
that even the coronavirus would bring people to to the Lord who will ask questions, what is going on? And that the church is prepared to share the gospel and to share the end times with those that want to know. But if people refuse, it's not because Jesus isn't standing at that door and knocking on their hearts. Some people hear the word, they hear the gospel, and something tugs at your heart. And usually, it's like, you know, in the old days when we were in church and the pastor would give the invitation and people would stand there and say, hurry up and finish because there was something deep inside that was bothering them that they didn't want to give into. That was Jesus knocking at the door of your heart. And even now, he could be knocking at the door of your heart. He's always there. Don't be a Laodicea. Don't get so caught up in the world and compromise that you miss it, that you don't hear him, that you don't open that door. The Lord then give some counsel to the church at Laodicea. And that's always the case. God will call us to him. And he's always got the the solution to our problems. The, The question is, will we actually take him up on those solutions? Or will we continue to do it our way? This church at Laodicea did not get one accolade from the Lord. Not one. It was all pretty much condemnation. But he gave them plenty of prescriptions in order for them to get it right. Now, what he said is he's going to counsel this church and give them five prescriptions to get it right. For the compromise, he prescribed repent and zeal. The first thing we have to do is repent. We have to turn away from sin. We have to turn away from falling short, from missing the mark. Not just say, I'm sorry, but actually turn and go in the other direction from our sin. Prescription number two for their spiritual poverty. Remember, they thought they were rich, but they were actually poor, wretched, blind, naked. It's one thing that you're in that condition and you don't even know it. Wow. Is what Jesus offers is girl which has been refined in the fire of suffering. When we're tested and tried, but we stay in God's will, we'll come out as pure gold. It's not easy. It's not easy standing on the word and being ridiculed and being mocked and shunned, ignored, spoken about, all because you're standing on the word of God. But if you persevere, when you're tested, when your works are tested, the works that you do for the Lord, and they're found to be true, you will come out like pure gold. It says here, they needed to move from the gold standard to the God standard. Sometimes, you know, things may look right, but are they godly? They may look good, but are they godly? That's the standard that we have to live by. Especially now in these last days when we're told that man will call evil good and good evil. You've got to know the word of God so you can decide. Sure, you can choose to take what the world says is good and get in good with the world. But there will be a day of reckoning. 
Standing for the word of God is getting harder and harder because persecution is growing and growing. But if you keep the God standard, you will obtain his gold and not man's gold. For their spiritual nakedness, Jesus prescribes the white garments of righteousness. Do you know that in heaven, we're going to be clothed by the righteous acts that we do on earth? And Dr. Jeremiah says some of us are going to be indecently exposed. It's not enough just to say, oh, I made it in. Have you prepared your clothing in heaven by your righteous acts on earth? That's something to think about. I want to be fully clothed. So the works that I do here, I pray. I pray that God looks at my heart and he sees that my thoughts and intentions were in his will. And therefore, I will be fully clothed. Think about it. Fine linen. That's what I want to be clothed in. And then we have... Prescription number four for spiritual blindness, a spiritual eye salve, S-A-L-V-E, like an ointment. Now, back we learned that in Laodicea, they also manufactured a product called tephrophrygia, which was a pill that, which when it was crushed, they used it uh, for medicinal purposes for their eyes. Well, here you go, for their spiritual blindness, the word of God would be their eye salve. And even now, as we read God's word, it opens our eyes. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the things that God wants us to see. The happenings, again, let's go back here. There's so much going on right now in the world that we don't understand. But God, through his word, through the book of Revelation, helps us to understand those things that are going on in the world today. And, you know, I'm thinking now that Satan did that in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, if you recall. He told them that if they ate the forbidden fruit, their eyes would be open and that they would be like God. And that sounded pretty good to them. God will open our eyes for real by his Holy Spirit so that we can see and understand. And that's why the book of Revelation is so mysterious to so many. Because they have not gain the Holy Spirit and that understanding where it can be opened up and they will gain that knowledge and that joy and that excitement. And that's what we've discovered in reading through the book of Revelation. Prescription number five for their Christlessness. Jesus is standing at the door knocking. Open up and let him in. And that's what I say to you, you and now. In closing, the church at Laodicea was described as a lukewarm church, which means it had been hot. It was hot at one point in time. And now it cooled off. And there are so many, come on, let's be real. There are so many churches in Bermuda alone that have turned lukewarm. As Dr. Jeremiah talked about, who wants to drink lukewarm coffee? When you go to get coffee, you want it hot. I like a good hot drink. I don't want it lukewarm. But many of our churches today, many of our Christians today have lost their zeal, have lost their fervor. It's become a routine. 
Let's get back in relationship with the Lord. Light that fire. And again, there's prescriptions that we can go by. God's given us, he's given us the answer to our problems. All we need to do is reach out and take. So that's a bit of Laodicea, just a little overview for you. If you wish to be a part of our lessons, send us an email, swim at logic.bm. Swim at logic.bm. Let us know you want to be a part of the studies and we'll send you the information. I hope you've enjoyed this and I really hope that you think on these things. Don't be a lukewarm Laodicea. Be on fire for Christ. You won't be sorry. With that, I'll say to you, blessings abound.